Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. So if you'll take out your pew Bible or the Bible you brought with you or open up your Bible app, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they gave a dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was at one of the tables with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal from what was put in it. But Jesus said, leave her alone, She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious Lord, as we gather this morning, speak to us so clearly through your words, through the liturgy, through the music, that we would know who you would have us be and what you would have us do. So as we come away from this time of worship together with our brothers and our sisters, with you as our guide, that we might be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. In the movie The Scent of a Woman, Al Pacino's character is this blind war hero who has this heightened sense of smell, such that he can smell a woman's perfume from all the way across the room and follow her as she traverses the room. So I think about that as that image. I think about how odors and smells sometimes occupy a room. I think about back when I did youth ministry, that we could go on a youth retreat in five minutes after moving the middle school boys into the cabin for the weekend, it went from smelling like nothing to but nothing but feet and axe body spray. Those of you that lived that era or are living it now, you know what I talk about. See, aromas are sort of, they occupy a room. But those pleasant aromas not only occupy a room, but they occupy a place in our hearts, don't they? I mean, maybe it's the perfume of your, or cologne of your spouse, or maybe it's your flavored flower in the garden, or something that brings you this pleasant memory, this aroma, something cooking in the kitchen, maybe something your grandmother made. But if you smell that, it just brings back this flood of memories, doesn't it? It occupies your mind, it occupies your heart, not only is it pleasant to smell, but it brings back so much positivity that even the faintest hint of that odor today brings a smile to your face and a warm spot right here, doesn't it? 
In today's text, Lazarus' home was filled with a fragrance. See, chapter 12 in John's gospel is sort of this bridge, if you will, between verses 1 or chapters 1 through 11 where we're talking about Jesus' ministry. And then we have chapter 12, then everything that follows leads us to Jesus' glory. The journey to Jerusalem, the death and his resurrection and ultimately his ascension. So it's in this one chapter, this linchpin, if you will, that what's happening is that John is reminding us, he's making a case, if you will, for Jesus as the Messiah. So as we look at the first eight verses of this chapter, we begin to get the idea of what's about to happen, the whole idea of you are saving this for my burial. But the reality of what matters most at this moment in time for us as followers of Christ and for us as a church is what Mary does in verse 3. Look in there with me, if you will. Remember what she says in verse 3. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard and anointed Jesus' feet, wiping them with her hair. And the house was filled with a fragrance of perfume. See, Mary's actions of love are a metaphorical aroma, if you will, which filled the room right alongside that physical aroma of the perfume, the fragrance of the nard. But it's her actions, this idea of an extravagant love, an idea of a love of humil- a love with humility, a love with unselfconsciousness that filled the house. And it challenges the church to let that fragrance fill our walls and fill our hearts with this fragrance of love of God and love for God. So we start at the very beginning. We start with this idea of the nard. You know, the nard is this very expensive perfume. As a matter of fact, John records that it was pure nard, which means it was in its highest form, its highest value. Think of it, think of it in terms of like gold. So, I mean, there's 10 karat gold, there's 12 karat, 14 karat, whatever, but then there's 24, right? And if I told you that you could choose what kind of gold you wanted, we would all choose 24 karat because it's the most expensive, the most valuable. Let's see this pure nard, this pure perfume. It is the highest quality. And then on top of that, not only does she have that, but she has a pound of it. Back to my gold analogy, I mean, a pound of 14 karat gold or a pound of 10 karat gold has great value, but a pound of 24 karat gold, I mean, we could retire today, right? But what does she do with this perfume of greatest value? She empties the jar. She pours it out. She uses all of it to anoint Jesus. She holds none of it back. She is extravagantly generous with this gift. And it's all because of her love for Christ. It's evident in this moment. It is a love which does not count the cost. It is a love that deserves the very best. It's a kind of love which leaves the giver wishing, not, or I guess wishing and lamenting, that they don't have even more to give. So she's poured this pound out, probably wishing that she had two pounds. See, her love of God is so deep, 
so entire that she empties it all out, that of the greatest value for Christ her Lord. It reminds me of those two characters in on Henry's gift to the Magi. You know that it's Christmas time. They are dirt poor and they want to give their spouse this wonderful gift. And so they go and they sell the thing of greatest value that each of them owns, unbeknownst to the other, to buy a gift, which ironically was to even heighten the gift, the value, that thing of value the other had most. Hairbrushes and a watch fob for watch that no longer exists, for hair that was sold for a wig. It reminds me of Oscar Schindler at that very last moment, that poignant moment in Schindler's List where just before he's about to be arrested and captured, he looks and he looks at these Jews that he has saved. He started out the war, remember, wanted to be a profiteer to make as much money from it, but he realized along the way that there was something of greater value, this humanity that he had drafted to work in his factory. He was saving them, creating stories, buying off the Nazis so the Jews would not be deported and sent to the gas chambers. So this moment as the war comes in, he takes his ring and he looks at the leader of the clan and he says, I, did I do enough? Did I do enough? Look, I could have sold this ring and could have saved a couple of more. He is so poured out and penniless with no future. Not sure what's become to him, but he wished he had done yet even more. That kind of emptying love, what we see Mary doing here with a pound of art, is sort of a challenge question for us during this season of Lent. Do we pour out our best? Do we give our greatest value for the one who has poured out his best for us? John's gospel has Mary anoint Jesus' feet with that pound of nard. Now the custom of the day, if you're going to anoint someone, you anointed their head with the oil, with the perfume. But no, then why does Mary do his feet? It's really as simple that she doesn't think she's worthy enough to anoint the head of the Son of God. But her love for him compels her so much that she's got to do something. And so the feet it is. Now, this is not about her self-esteem, that she thinks that she is less than any of the rest of us. This is about realizing who she's standing in the presence of, that she doesn't even think she's worthy enough to run his head. It's similar to when John the Baptist, when Jesus came to be baptized, he said, Lord, I'm not even worthy enough to tie the sandals of your feet. She loved Jesus all in with this deep sense of humility. It's that sense of humility, the same one that is echoed by the Lord when he washes the feet of the disciples that night not long ago in the upper room. But it's that sense of humility that she has where she parks her ego to show love for the one that loves us all. Reminds me of something that happened just a month ago right here on our campus. You know, we have Love Thy Neighbor once a month where our youth lead us and show us how to care for those who are experiencing homelessness. And once a year they partner with Fleet Feet, one of the vendor, one of the uh, merchants in our community, to provide shoes for those who need and can't afford a new pair of shoes. 
I mean, a new pair of shoes perks us all up, right? But once a year, they come over and they provide shoes for those in our community experiencing homelessness. And so what happens is just like when we go to the shoe store, the person that's received the shoes, they come in and they sit down in a chair in front of our youth and other volunteers. And they have that moment where we size up their feet. They take their shoes off and we try to find out what size the new pair of shoes should be. So a month ago, one of our brothers and sisters came in looking for a new pair of shoes. And when he took his shoes off, his feet were filthy, dirty, covered with God knows what. And rather than just grabbing a pair of shoes and sending him out the door, those that were working with him helped him get cleaned up so that his feet that went into his new shoes were clean feet. They restored his dignity, his humanity, because they were willing to do that which the Lord taught us to do. So the question for us is, do we check our ego? Do we check our own self-importance? Do we humbly serve the one who humbled himself even to death upon the cross for us? Do we bow and realize the presence of the one that we're standing in and serve with that kind of humility? But to fully understand the magnitude of Mary's love for Christ, of her actions, it's not just the value of the nard that she poured on his feet, it's not just the fact that she poured on her feet, but it was her final act that she did. Brother text says, and then she dried his feet with her hair. She wiped them with her hair. Her love for Christ was so deep that she acts and functions with utter unselfconsciousness. What do I mean by that? I mean, this past week, we've heard and seen a lot about women in their hair, haven't we? If you followed, if you're watching Facebook last Saturday or last Sunday, you saw all the pictures maybe of prom and all of the dates with their pretty dresses and their pretty tuxes and all their hair done up, right? And they looked beautiful and gorgeous. And maybe we watched the red carpet on the Oscars and we saw all the stars and celebrities coming in with all of their hair and people want to know, who did your hair and who did your makeup and all this. And we really caught up in all that moment. And then there was Chris Rock's failed joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's hair and Will Smith's violent reaction to it. Let's be really clear. Women's hair is important. I mean, you all know what I'm talking about, right? You're all nodding your heads. You try not to, but you're all agreeing with me. It's really important. And so just as it's important today, it was even more so back in Jesus' day. Because no self-respecting woman would be caught. Let me read it again. No self-respecting woman would be caught out in public or in her home beyond her immediate family with her hair down. No self-respect will be caught out in public or at home beyond their immediate family with their hair down. So despite all this cultural taboo and all the social protocols, what does Mary do? She pours the nard on his feet and she lets her hair down and she dries his feet with her hair. 
She is so focused so deeply on her love for Christ that she tunes the rest of the world out. Social conviction and all. As we begin to fully understand and fully absorb this scene and recognize her love for Christ, do we ask ourselves this question, is my love for Christ so important and so deep to me that I tune out the rest of the world and what they might think of me for practicing it? Do I say grace at the table in a restaurant and don't care what people think? Do I challenge my friends to speak and act nicely towards other people and don't care what they think? Do I practice my faith and am not afraid to talk about it such that I don't care what the world thinks? Am I that so unselfconscious, so unashamed of the faith I have in the one who loves me most? So we look at Mary in that moment. Mary's actions in Lazarus' house filled it with a great fragrance of love. An extravagance bringing the best for Jesus. A humility where Jesus is our guide and that we share that with the world. An unselfconsciousness that her love for him is what mattered the most in that moment and every moment that followed. And so as we look upon our lives, may we do the same. May we practice our faith the same. May we love God the same. May we bring and give our best to the Lord. May we serve humbly and with humility. May we serve so unselfconsciously that the world cannot help but see who we follow, who we are, and whose we are. See, when we do that, then we fill this house with a fragrance of love that Mary had. We fill this house and we fill the world with that fragrance so that the world cannot help but know how much it is loved. And that's the perfume that will linger in our hearts, in our minds, and in the hearts and the minds of those that encounter us this week and all the weeks to come. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.